Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 144, where today we'll be picking up in Jeremiah chapter 18. Without further ado, let's get started. And it says, uh, as a section title, Parable of the Potter. And the word says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Now remember uh, that Jeremiah is a prophet of the Lord. He's prophesying out to the people of Judah uh, what's going to occur in the, the pending future, not the far off future, but in the relative immediate future. And it says in verse two, go down at once to the potter's house. There I will reveal my words to you. So God is telling Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and I will reveal my words to you. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working away at the wheel. So Jeremiah goes down, he sees the potter working away at the wheel. And it says in verse four, but the jar that he was making from the clay um, became flawed in the potter's hand. So apparently, you know, a potter's wheel, the thing spins, and you've got the clay, and you're shaping it and fashioning it as the clay is spinning and whatnot. And it says that um, that whatever the potter was making is, I guess, in the potter's eyes, became flawed uh, in the potter's hand. So he made it into another jar as it seemed right for him to do. In other words, as he was making this thing, it wasn't turning out the way he had intended. And so he decided to make it into something else. Hmm. Verse 5, the word of the Lord came to me. <clears throat> House of Israel, can I not treat you as the potter treats his clay? In other words, the Lord had something in mind for, for Israel, but they weren't fulfilling it. <laughs> and so the Lord is asking rhetorically, you know, can I not treat you like the, like the, um, the thing that the potter was making and maybe remake you into something else? This is the Lord's declaration. Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. It says in verse 7, uh, At one moment I might announce concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will uproot, tear down, and destroy it. In verse 8 it says, However, if that nation about which I have made uh, the announcement turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the disaster I had planned uh, to do to it. So the Lord might say, look, I have planned destruction for this nation because they were evil, but then they started to turn and not do evil. So the Lord says, at my discretion, I can change their destiny. And it says, uh, verse 9, at another time, I might announce concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. Verse 10, however, if it does what is evil in my sight by not listening to me, I will relent concerning the good I said uh, I would do to it. So the Lord says, I could have something good planned for them, but if they start turning evil, I can change it. You know, And so really the control is kind of within their hands. Are they going to do right by me or are they not? Are they not? Verse 11, it says, so now say to the men of Judah and to the residents of Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am about to bring harm to you and make plans against you. Turn now each from your evil way and correct your ways and your deeds. Giving them opportunity, tell them what's, what, uh, what he's going to do if they don't turn. It says in verse 12, but they will say, <laughs> but they will say, this sounds like us many times, they will say, it's hopeless. <laughs> we will continue to follow our own plan. In other words, it's useless, Lord. We can't turn. We're just going to keep doing what we've been doing. And each of us will continue to act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. <laughs> so he's saying, look, Lord, I know, you know you're trying to get us to do right, right but it ain't happening. We're going to keep doing evil. We drop down to verse 18. It says uh, the plot against Jeremiah. Then certain ones said, 
Come, let's make plans against Jeremiah, for instruction will never be lost from the priest or counsel from the wise or word from the prophet. In other words, the people are saying, come, let's do something to Jeremiah because, look, we got instruction coming from the priest. We got wisdom coming from the council. We got words coming from the prophet. We don't need Jeremiah. Let's get rid of him. And say, come, let's denounce him and pay no attention at all to his words. It says in verse 9, it says, pay attention to me, Lord. This is Jeremiah talking. Hear what my opponents are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? Yet they have dug a pit for me. And you know, I've, I've done right by these folks, but look, they want to get rid of me. Remember how I stood before you to speak uh, good on their behalf, to turn your anger fr from them? In other words, Jeremiah is saying, remember, I pleaded their case in your presence. I tried to get you not to wipe them out. You know, I tried to, in, in effect, save them. And look at what they're doing to me. I've been their advocate, and they're turning on me. Verse 21, therefore, hand their children over to famine. So this is Jeremiah saying, therefore, take their kids and starve them. And says, and give them over to the power of the sword and kill them. He said, let their wives become childless and widowed. Ooh, their husbands slain by deadly disease, their young men struck down by the sword in battle. So, so Jeremiah says, okay, if that's what you want, Lord, do this to them. Release your wrath on them. If they're going to come down on me like this and I'm trying to save their butts, then do it to them, Lord. So and how many times have we felt that? I'm not saying that's right or just, <laughs> but certainly the feeling is understandable. Let's go on to chapter 19, and it says the clay jar. And the word says, this is what the Lord says. Go buy a uh, potter's clay jar. Take some of the elders of the people and some of the leading priests. He said, said, go take some of the elders and the leading, leading priests and go um, buy a, uh, a potter's jar. I'm assuming it's from the same potter. I don't know. Then it says, verse 3, say, this is the Lord telling Jeremiah, say, hear the word of the Lord, kings of Judah and residents of Jerusalem. So he's, he's telling Jeremiah to tell the people this. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. I am going to bring such a disaster on this place that everyone who hears about it will shudder. Hmm. Verse 5. Jeez, uh, what is this? Let me turn this off. I can't believe. Let me kill this. Okay, here we go. In verse 5, it says, They have built high places to Baal on which to burn their children in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal. Something I, uh, something I, something I have never commanded or mentioned, I never entertained the thought. So... <laughs> This is, this is why the wrath is coming. He says, look, my people have taken their children up to the high place in order to sacrifice them to a foreign god that they've never known, to kill their children. I'm assuming it, uh, uh, the, the promise was for like fertility or everlasting life or, or some kind of big uh, kind of reward if you bring your children up and sacrifice them uh, to essentially, I think it was Molech who was the god, but I'm not sure about that. And so in verse 7, it says, I will spoil the plans of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. I will make them fall by the sword before the enemies, by the hand of those who intend to take their life. I will provide their corpses as food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land. Wow. Then it says, I will make this city desolate, an object of scorn. Everyone who passes by it will be appalled and scoff because of all its wounds. It says in verse 9, it says, I will make them eat the flesh. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters. And they will eat each other's flesh 
in the distressing siege inflicted on them by their enemies who intend to take their life. Verse 10, it says, Then you are to shatter the jar in the presence of the people going with you. Verse 11, And you are to proclaim to them, This is what the Lord of armies says, I will shatter these people and this city like one shatters a potter's jar that can never again be mended. So this kind of reminds me of Humpty Dumpty, right? He falls down and all the eggshells fall away. The Lord is telling Jeremiah to throw that, that uh, potter's jar down so it shatters into pieces. And this is a representation of what I'm going to do to this evil people. I'm going to destroy and scatter them. Mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> so let's go on to verse, excuse me, to chapter 20. And the section has says, Jeremiah beaten by Peshur. Peshur the priest, so Peshur was the priest um, uh, in Judah, the son of uh, Imer and chief official in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. So Peshur the chief, uh, uh, excuse me, Peshur the priest heard Jeremiah saying all this stuff about what was going to happen to the Judeans. And obviously he didn't care for it. And it says in verse 2, so Peshur had the prophet Jeremiah beaten and put him in the stocks in the upper Benjamin gate in the Lord's temple. So he had him, he had him whipped, you know, and take your shirt off and expose your back and then they whip you. And then he had him put in the temple, um, in the stocks, I guess on one side of the temple, upper Benjamin gate, I guess that was part of the temple. And it says in verse three, the next day when Peshur released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, the, the Lord does not call you Peshur, but terror is on every side. So Jeremiah, by, uh, Jeremiah tells Peshur, the Lord doesn't know your name. You, you aren't Peshur to him. Your name to him is terror is on every side. Your name is in effect a prophetic word. <laughs> so your name is what's going to happen to you. And so you are no longer called Peshur. <clears throat> Oops. And it says, um, for this is what the Lord says. I'm about to make you a terror to both yourself and those you love. They will fall by the sword of the enemies before your very eyes. So the Lord is telling Jeremiah to, to tell Peshur, prophesy this. I'm about to make you a terror for both yourself and everybody who loves you because they're going to see what happens to you. And it says, they, those that love you, are going to fall by the sword of their enemies, and you're going to witness it. You're going to see it. It's going to happen right in front of you. Mm. It's a tough word. Then we go on to verse 6, and it says, As for you, Peshur, and all who live in your house, you will go into captivity. You will go to Babylon. There you will die. And there you will be buried, you and all your friends to whom you prophesied lies. Say, well, why should their friends get it? Because apparently he's prophesying lies to them and they're accepting them as the word of the Lord. See, there is a responsibility that we have as individuals and believers in, in Christ to examine the things that we hear. We're not just to... The, to, to take what we hear as if we're being uh, spoon-fed and not use the intelligence that the Lord gave us. We're to examine this stuff, but not to examine it with our own minds and that sort of thing, but examine things through the prism of the Word. See, 
Because there are a lot of things in this word that I don't particularly care for, but it's the word of the Lord. And so it is. And so what I try to do is I try to examine th things through the prism of this. You know, how do I see what's being said through this as if, as if um, this word right here, this book, are glasses because they clarify things for me. And so I look through my glasses to see what my glasses see, not what I see, to see what my glasses revealed to me. I hope that makes sense. You know, and, and we're not to go by what we want to hear, what's pleasing to our ears. We're to go by what the word of the Lord is. Next section title says, Jeremiah compelled to preach. This is interesting. I find this to be very interesting. It says in verse 7, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You seized me and prevailed. I am a laughing stock all the time. Everyone ridicules me. Verse 8, For whenever I speak, I cry out. I proclaim violence and destruction, so the word of the Lord has become my constant disgrace and derision. In other words, what Jeremiah is saying is like, look, it seems like whatever I say, I say nothing good. <laughs> the only thing I ever say, the only thing that comes out of my mouth is some kind of violence and destruction that's going to befall on the people. And so they hate me, you know, because that's all I, just think about it. If somebody had come around you all the time and all you ever heard from them was violence and destruction and bad things that were going to happen to you, never heard anything good. And even if you did, you're probably not as sensitive to that as you are to the bad things. So you may even forget about that. You would get tired of coming around that person. You would want that person to shut up because you don't want to hear it anymore. This is essentially what Jeremiah is saying. He said, for whenever I speak, whenever I cry out, I proclaim violence and destruction. The word of the Lord has become my constant disgrace and derision. But because it's you, Lord, because this is what I'm here to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to faithfully do it every time you tell me. But this is kind of how I feel about it. And then he says in verse 9, I say, I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name. So he's, he's essentially telling the Lord, I'm through with you. I'm not going to mention you to the people. I'm no longer going to speak your name to the people. I'm done. However, the word also goes on and says this. But his message, his being God, but your message, Lord, but his message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones. Jeremiah is saying, I don't want to tell these people anymore. I don't want to prophesy for you anymore, Lord, but I can't help it. I, I have to because your message is a fire burning in my heart and it's shut up in my bones. And it says, I become tired of holding it in. I cannot prevail. So Jeremiah is, is admitting, he said, look, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of it, but I can't help myself. I can't stop myself because that word is burning inside of me that I have to release it. I have to be the Lord's oracle. I don't want to be, but I have to be. Sometimes a word gets in me that I feel like I just have to release. I just have to release. Sometimes I want to, and sometimes I don't want to. But it just, it's, it's just in there, and it's burning. It's, it's nagging you. It's begging you. It's saying, you have to release this word. You have to release this word. You have to release this word. And when I know beyond knowing, beyond knowing, that it is accurate and it is consistent with the nature and character of God, then that makes it even worse. <laughs> That makes it even worse. See, a lot of times people want to release thing that's on their heart because they want to, because it's something that they want to uh, uh, put out there, something that they want to see happen. Uh, in other words, it's coming from self. It's coming from them. 
It's not coming from the Lord. And that's what you have to be careful about. That's what you have to watch out for. That's what you have to make sure is grounded and founded in the word, that word that you're hearing from somebody. Is this consistent with the Lord's nature and character? You need to be, you need to be brutally honest with yourself about that. And so <clears throat> let's go on to chapter 14. Chapter 14 says, Jeremiah's lament. <laughs> Jeremiah has a lot of laments. And he says in verse 14, May the day I was born be cursed. May the day my mother bore me never be blessed. In other words, may my, may my birthday never be blessed. <laughs> verse 15, May the man who cursed, no, may the man be cursed who brought the news to my father, saying, A male child is born to you. In other words, Jeremiah is saying, May the messenger of my birth be cursed. <laughs> May the man be cursed who brought the news to my father saying, a male child is born to you, bringing him great joy. So this, this news has brought his father great joy, but Jeremiah said, May that messenger be cursed. And so in verse 18, it says, why did I come out of the womb uh, to see only struggle and sorrow? to end my life in shame. So this is why Jeremiah is lamenting his life. He says, it's been better off for me had not been born. Why was I born and given this spoon? Why was I born and given this cup to drink? This is horrible. All I do is tell people what's gonna happen to them, <laughs> the bad things that are gonna happen to them. So why did I come out of the womb? Wow. So we see that Jeremiah is a faithful servant of the Lord but he has struggles. You know, just because you're a faithful servant doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. Go on to chapter 21. The section title says, Zedekiah's uh, Request Denied. And it says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent Peshur and the priest Zephaniah, asking, <clears throat> Inquire of the Lord on our behalf, since King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon is making war against us. Perhaps the Lord will perform for us like all his past wondrous works so that Nebuchadnezzar will withdraw from us. And so the king of Judah, King Zedekiah, sends you know, two emissaries uh, to Jeremiah and say, inquire of the Lord for us. You know, maybe he can save us from Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe he can save us from the Babylonians. And so it says in verse 3, but Jeremiah answered, this is what you are to say to Zedekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I'm about to repeal the weapons of war in your hands. They're asking for help, and Zedekiah is telling them, no, what the Lord is saying is he's essentially going to reject the weapons that are in your hands. Those you are using to fight the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans. So he said, those weapons that you're planning on using, I'm going to reject them. They ain't going to work. <laughs> Let me go on. It says, uh, to fight uh, Babylon and Chaldeans who are besieging you outside the wall, I will bring them to the center of this city. I'm going to reject your weapons, and I'm going to bring the enemy into the center of your city. In verse 5, it says, I myself will fight against you. So the Lord is telling uh, Jeremiah to tell the emissaries from uh, King uh, Zedekiah that not only are your weapons not going to work, but I myself am going to fight against you. They're asking for help, and the Lord is telling them, no, I'm going to fight against you. Um, 
I myself will fight against you with an outstretched arm and a strong outstretched hand and a strong arm with anger, fury, and intense wrath. I will strike the residents of the city, both people and animals. <laughs> I'm gonna strike everything that's living, you know, people and animals. I'm not gonna discriminate. And it says they will die in a severe plague. In verse seven, afterward, this is the Lord's de declaration: King Zedekiah of Judah of Judah, his officials and the people, those in this city who survived the plague, the sword and the famine I will hand over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. If you survive the sword and the famine, I'm gonna hand you over to the king. To their enemies, yes, to those who intend to take their lives. See, He's gonna hand them over to the king and those who intend to take him, uh, their lives. He will put them to the sword. He won't spare them or show pity or compassion. Wow. Okay. And then the next section says a warning for the people. But tell this, uh, but tell the people, wait, but tell this people, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Now, this is a heck of a choice. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, and plague. But whoever goes out and surrenders to the Chaldeans who are besieging you will live and will retain his life like the spoils of war. And so the Lord is saying, look, you can stay here and die or you can go and become a prisoner of captivity and then your fate will be up to these other people. That's a heck of a choice. But essentially saying, look, there's no way to skate out of this. You've been evil and wicked and, 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 and um, unrepentant for far too long. Far too long. So that, that train has passed. Now choose which way you want to go. You can die right now or you get handed over to the enemy. <clears throat> so let's go on to chapter 22. And it says, uh, judgment against sinful kings. And so we have a list of kings here. That, you know, three kings uh, that were predecessors to Zedekiah. And we see what's going to happen to them. It says, this is what the Lord says. Go down to the palace of the king of Judah and announce this word there. You are to say, hear the word of the Lord, King of Judah. You sit on the uh, throne of David, you, your officers, and your people who enter these gates. This is what the Lord says. Administer justice and righteousness. Rescue the victim of robbery and his uh, uh, oppressor. Don't exploit or uh, br brutalize the resident alien, the, father, the fatherless or widow. Don't shed innocent blood in this place. And so the Lord has essentially had commanded the kings to do these things, in other words, to be righteous, to be a king of justice, to be a king of fairness. You know, so this is what he's telling these people. Uh, but we drop down into, uh, what is it, verse 5. He says, but if you do not obey these words, I swear by myself, this is the Lord's declaration, this house will become a ruin. He said, if you don't do right, if you don't do what I tell you, then this is what's going to happen. This house is going to become a ruin. Then it says in verse 8, many nations will pass by the city and ask one another, why did the Lord do such a thing to this great city? They will answer because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord their God and bowed and worshiped to other gods and saved them. And served them, not saved them, and served them. And so this is why when people go by, they're going to see the desolation and they're going to ask why. And he's going to tell them this is the reason. The next section says a message concerning uh, Shalom or Shalom. He was a king. He was a past king of, um, 
of Judah. And it says, for this is what the Lord says concerning Shalom, son of Josiah, king of Judah, who became king in the place of his father, Josiah. Remember, Josiah was a good king and who left um, and has left. Wait. And who has left this place? He will never return here again. In verse 12, it says, but he will die in the place where they deported him, never seeing this land again. So that's what happened to that king. Now we have a message concerning uh, Zedekiah, uh, Jehoiakim. Why am I having trouble? <laughs> they have a message concerning Jehoiakim. In verse 13, it says, Woe for the one who says, I will build myself a massive palace. With spacious upstairs, with, with spacious upstairs rooms, he will cut windows in it, and it will be paneled with cedar and painted bright red. In verse 15, it says, uh, are you a king because you excel in cedar? This is the Lord saying. <laughs> he says, didn't your father, father being Josiah, didn't your father drink and eat and administer justice and righteousness? In other words, didn't your father consume justice and righteousness? Wasn't that how he lived? Wasn't that what his purpose was? Wasn't that what he was all about? It says, and then it went well with him because of that. In verse 16, it says, he took up the case of the poor and needy. Then it went well. See, he took up the case of the poor, the fatherless, the needy, the orphans, you know, and it went well with him. And then the Lord, the Lord asked an interesting question. He says, is this not what it means to know me? See, a lot of people say that I know God and they that God's my friend and so on. But it's more than just saying stuff. It's what you do. It's what resides in your heart. What resides in your heart motivates your actions. He says, is this not what it means to know me, to take care of the poor and the needy and the fatherless and the orphans and to administer justice and righteousness and fairness? Is this not what it means to know me? If you're not doing those things, you don't know him. In verse 18, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord said concerning Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah says he will be buried like a donkey dragged off and thrown outside Jerusalem's gates. <laughs> and in his last king, he gives an example for it. This is a message concerning uh, Kaniah, who was a king, again, um, uh, in Judah. And it says in verse 25, I will hand you over to those you dread, who intend to take your life to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the Chaldeans. I will, I will hurl you and the mother who gave birth to you into another land where neither of you were born, and there you will both die. I will take you and your mama and send you away, and you're going to die in a foreign place that you know nothing about. <laughs> I mean, so when you were, he's, and these are all kings, and he's, the, the word is telling you what their fate was. Remember, there's great great, 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 great responsibility when there is tremendous authority. And these kings defied this authority. And so um, what the Lord would have them do. And so he said, okay, I'm going to hand you over to your fate. So remember that the next time you may be, you know, striving for leadership or, or whatever, it's not all glitz and glamour. <laughs> there is tremendous responsibility that comes with it. With that, we're going to pick things up in chapter 23 of Jeremiah tomorrow. Everybody take care and have a blessed day. Bye-bye.